Well, we are going to continue our series on discipleship this morning. Last week, we talked about a few marks of a true disciple from John chapter 8. We looked at how Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, he said, if you continue or if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. Those are powerful words that we treasure here and we believe here. We cling to here. And so we talked about how a a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus is somebody who prioritizes the words of Jesus. They abide in them, which implies they prioritize them and they persevere in them. They continue in them. They perceive the truth. They know the truth and they progress in freedom. And freedom is a process. It's like sanctification, right? Where there's, there's like as, as Terry was sharing this morning, there's, there's deeper levels of, of freedom and, and change that God brings about in our lives as we walk with Him and as we apply the truth of His Word to our hearts and to our lives. And so the, the, the last mark here that I, I want to mention that from John 15, uh, verse 8 and verse 4 is that true disciples bear much fruit. True disciples bear much fruit. Jesus said in John 15, 8, he said, if you, uh, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so I want to start this morning just asking you the question. Have you seen much fruit in your own life? Or if I were to ask your spouse or somebody really close to you who knows you, what would they say is the good fruit and the much fruit in your life? What would they point to to say, yes, this brother or this sister is bearing much fruit, good fruit. He is or she is truly a disciple of Jesus. I think when we hear that, some of us may take that, take the pressure of that and in a message like this to, to feel like, uh, oh, I just got to gut it up and I just got to make some fruit happen. I just need to work harder at it. And so we're going to look at, first of all, what this fruit looks like, uh, this much fruit, and then how that fruit comes about, how that fruit is produced and born through our lives. Because we can't do it independently of Jesus. We need Him just as much as the very first moment we put our trust in Him and expressed our need for Him, for His salvation, His deliverance, His freedom, His forgiveness, His cleansing. We need Him. Amen? And so let's open up John chapter, John chapter 15, 1 through 8. And go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have it, I will have it on the screen. Father, thank you so much for your word, your word that is truth, your word that imparts life and grace, and I pray that your word would effectively work in us and take root in us and be at home in our hearts, in our lives, that we would create space this morning to hear what you have to say to us, your sheep. May we hear your voice. May we follow you. And I pray that every one of your people would be encouraged this morning. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right, John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. And all God's people said, Amen. So, this is uh, one of the seven, the last of the seven I am statements in John's Gospel. Jesus reveals His identity in John's Gospel with statements like this, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. And so Jesus wants us to know who he is. He reveals himself in this, in this text here. And in the Old Testament, this idea of the true, the vine was uh, applied to Israel in Isaiah chapter 5. In, in a few other places, Israel's described as a vine or a vineyard. And Israel, in many ways, failed to produce the fruit that God had called them to produce. And Jesus says, I'm that true vine. And you guys, my disciples, are the branches. The Father, verse 2, is the vine dresser, the gardener. And then the fruitless branches are those, I believe, who are false Christians, pseudo-Christians, professors of Christ who seem to have a connection with Jesus but don't continue with Him. Okay? So here's the big idea of where we're going this morning, and it's this, that Jesus is the source of our life, or the source of life. So our connection to Him is vital to produce any good fruit. Our connection to Jesus is vital to produce any good fruit. So we got four different uh, characters in this, the true vine, Jesus, the vine dresser, the fruitless branches, the fruitful branches. The first thing I, I want to point out, too, is that true disciples have a personal relationship with Jesus. John mentions statements in his gospel, and in 1 John, uh, he, he, he mentions statements about knowing him. John seventeen three. this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and his son, and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. 
John is, is very big on this, this intimate relationship between the Father and the Son and between God, the, the Father and, the, and, and Jesus with His people. Uh, in, in verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. This speaks of the relationship. This is a metaphor to describe the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. He's the vine. We're the branches. Okay, as, as I mentioned earlier, this was uh, the night before Jesus' death. Uh, they, they had supper. He washed their feet. Uh, this is called the farewell discourse. Or, and, and by the way, that's at, during, in chapter 13, that's when Judas split, right? So Jesus said, go ahead and do what you're going to do, Judas. So true disciples have a personal relationship with Jesus. They, they endure, they remain, they abide, they're connected to Him, not artificially, but authentically, genuinely. They're connected with Him. They know Him. In John 10, Jesus describes His people as sheep, and He's the shepherd, and He says, they know, my sheep hear my voice, they listen, they follow, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. I personally believe in the security of, of the, of a true believer of Christ. I don't believe in, in what some would say, uh, you could lose your salvation. Uh, some interpreters take verse two in this passage in verse six, uh, to describe somebody who is a genuine Christian who is, uh, not bearing fruit. But it's very clear in this text that, that those who are truly his disciples, they will bear fruit. And it's also clear that God the Father does some pruning in their life to help prepare them to bear more fruit. Now, nobody likes to be pruned, right? So pruning is a painful process. Uh, and, and when a plant or a tree is is pruned, there's some cutting back. Sometimes it, it may look like you've killed the, the plant or the tree. If you've ever seen a rose bush or, or, or things that have been pruned, it looked like, it looks bare, right? And temporarily though, that pruning is for a purpose. And God the Father is described as this, as this vine dresser. Jesus is the vine and we're connected to Him. And, and as we're connected to Him, the Father prunes things in our lives so that we can be more fruitful and bring more glory to Him and bless more people and have greater joy in our relationship with Him. There may be somebody here this morning who's in a time of pruning. God is cutting back some things and changing some things in your life and it's painful and it hurts. You can take courage and trust that God is doing that not to hurt you, but to make you more pr- fruitful and productive, to, to bring more glory to himself, to bring more joy to you and more blessing to other people. Again, in, in verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. So there's some who would interpret this passage as uh, these, are, these are true Christians who don't bear fruit and that the fire represents, uh, you know, just kind of their good works. First, first Corinthians three, there it's, it's being burned up and there's, uh, there's little that remains. And others would say, 
that you can lose your salvation. They would interpret as that a, a true Christian can lose their salvation. Some would say that these are these are Christians who just aren't bearing fruit, but they're thrown into the fire. Uh, and then others would say that num- verse six and verse two are pseudo Christians, and I, I I fall in that category. I agree with the interpreters of that particular that view. That and then because. I believe that because of 1 John, I encouraged everybody last week to read 1 John. Read through 1 John and and look at what does it mean to be a true Christian. Somebody who's born of God. Somebody who knows God. Right? In 1 John, John describes true Christians as, as those who have true teaching, true living, and true True loving, right? So there's fruit in their life. They practice righteousness. They love people and they know God. First John 2.19, it says, those who departed, those who didn't continue with the believers, John says, they were not of us. First John 2.19 says this, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be become plain that they are not of us. Um, and so again, true disciples in Jesus, they have this personal relationship and they persevere in believing His Word, abiding in His Word, continuing in His Word. And I want to make it very clear that it's not that that a, a disciple of Jesus has to work to keep their salvation. It's not that we're working as Christians, we're trying to produce fruit, we're trying to do good things so that we can stay saved. That's a terrible way to live the Christian life. Paul in Philippians 2, he doesn't say work for your salvation with fear and trembling. He says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? And so good fruit comes from those who are connected, genuinely connected to the source, who have this personal relationship with Jesus, who are abiding in Jesus. Look at verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This describes the relationship between the believer uh, in, in, in Christ. And in any relationship, communication is essential. To have a good relationship with anybody, you need to speak with them and you need to listen to them, right? As I've said to the husbands, it's not enough. Husbands, when your wife asks you how your day was, it's not enough to just say good, right? You need to share a little bit more about what's, how your day was, what, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. Talk to them. And listen to them more than just a minute, right? Like engage in conversation. That's essential for any relationship. And and the same is true between the believer and Christ. We have to abide in his words. So, and that's why we have, we have the scriptures that help us do that. That's why we encourage everybody to daily spend time, quiet time in the word of God so that the word of God will be priority in your life so that you can renew your mind so that you can hear God's words of truth over you so you don't believe lies and fall in the bondage that the enemy wants you to walk in. We have to prioritize his words. And then as we prioritize his words and we meditate on his words, we read his words, we reflect on his words, and they they take root in us. They have a a place in our hearts. Then we respond in prayer. 
He says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Here's a key to effective prayer. If you want an effective prayer life, make sure that you're not just talking to God and at God, but that you're listening to Him. And that that what He says, what His revealed will is in His Word, shapes how you pray. It shapes your desires, what you pray for, right? Everybody's heard the verse, uh, Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And there's been many of people who've tried to just isolate that verse and claim that as their own, who maybe aren't even walking with the Lord. He said, he'll give me the desires of my heart, right? Well, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Here it says, abide in me and my words in you and ask whatever you wish. All right, so there's a condition with this. To have effective prayer, we need to be listening to the words of Jesus. And we need to believe. In John 14, uh, 13, Jesus said this. He said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Amen? And so Jesus says, If you ask in my name, and it's, this isn't merely just tacking on the name of Jesus in every one of your prayers, right? This is, this is praying under His authority. This is, this is aligning yourself with His authority and praying according to His will. What would bring glory and honor to His name? What would line up with His will? And the same in, in verse 7. So true disciples have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's one of our, our big things here. We want to know Jesus. And grow in knowing Him. We want to know Him deeply. We want to know Him accurately. We want to genuinely walk with Jesus and know Him. And from that place of knowing Him, fruit is born. So what does it mean to abide? Let's talk about that. Because I don't want anybody here to just leave today thinking, Oh, I just got to go bear some fruit. Oh, I'm going to try harder. I don't want you to to hear this message and take all the pressure of fruit bearing as if it completely depends on you. While you have an important part to play, fruit isn't automatic, all right? You have an important part to play in the relationship, uh, but ultimately the fruit comes from Jesus. He's the source. Andreas Kossenberger says this, Abide Abide in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. To remain in Christ, Merrill Tenney says, to remain in Christ and to allow his words to remain in oneself means a conscious acceptance of the authority of his word and a constant contact with him in prayer. Abide in me. Continue, remain, okay? And, and while we should spend time with Him in the morning and start our days off with, him, with connection with Him, acknowledging Him, acknowledging our, our need for Him, abiding in Him is something that we can do throughout the entire day. We can talk with Him. We can listen to Him. We can reflect on His Word. We can meditate on His Word. We can pray little short prayers like, God, help me. God, I need you. Fill me with strength. Fill me with love. Help me to forgive that person. God, give me wisdom here with this decision. God, what do I do? Lord, deliver me. 
We can say these short prayers throughout the day and communicate with God and listen to God and hear what He has to say to us. And we can walk in this personal, intimate relationship with God. You know, it's been said that, that Christianity isn't about a religion. It's, it's about a relationship. And it really is about relationship. It's about knowing God and loving God and being loved by God and loving other people, right? Jesus said these are the two greatest commandments that sum up the Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a relationship. And that's what we see here in this passage. We see this beautiful relationship between the disciples, the true disciples of Jesus Christ and, and, and with Jesus, the disciples in with Jesus. So in verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you guys really believe this? Do we really believe that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing? Some of us may act or live like we can do a lot of things apart from Jesus, right? Because we don't acknowledge Him as much as we ought to, right? Uh, now, I would say this, that I think that, I don't think what Jesus is saying here is that you, you can't be busy and you can't do any activity. I think what He's referring to when He says you can't do anything is referring to anything of eternal value. You can't bear fruit. You can't do anything. Uh, you, with, without this connection. Um, and, and I would say too that, that bearing fruit, much good fruit doesn't, it isn't synonymous with success, worldly success. Because even non-Christians who have the common grace of God can be quote successful in the world's eyes. Even false teachers and false prophets can look very successful and have great crowds of followers being fruitful isn't necessarily worldly success and having lots of activity and lots of lots of things attached externally fruit is something that flows from the inside out it's not something that we merely attach to our lives it's something from the inside out i heard a story about uh two two young brothers who were mischievous and they would sneak out at nighttime they would go get into trouble uh, young young guys and 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 they would use their tree a uh, tree in their yard next to their window on the second floor and they would climb out down through this tree and go get in the trouble and do things that they shouldn't do and uh one day they overheard their parents talking about getting rid of that that old tree because it's useless it's not it's not doing anything there and they were talking about getting rid of it they didn't want to fall in the house you know at some point in a storm. And so the boys were like, no, that's our, like, that's our escape route. We, we need, we need that to do what we're, you know, to have fun at nighttime when we go sneak out. And so they got this clever idea that they would go and go to the grocery store, get some apples and some yarn and some string, and they would attach the apples to the tree. And so they did. And, uh, and, and, and it wasn't long after that that their parents saw the tree that that and it had apples on it and they were amazed the 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 mom was amazed and they the mom said to the father uh, look at this honey we can't get rid of this tree it has all these apples on it now and, and the father and, they, and the boys were listening and the father said honey that's not an apple tree that's a pear tree what are all those apples doing on there <laughs> right and so that's a cute little story and and and, and sharing it i want to communicate this is that fruit isn't just what we attach 
to our lives on the outside. It's something that flows from the inside, from our authentic, real, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ because we know Him. We have the life of God, divine life living inside of us because we're connected to Him. Just like the branches, they have sap that comes from the vine. And the sap gives nourishment and it produces life and it comes out through the branch, through that connection. If you don't have that connection, you don't have any life in you. You know, recently my 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 six-year-old son, Carson, uh, we were talking about uh, what a Christian it is, it, it, what a Christian is, and he asked, he said, um, he asked me in Kindle, "Am I a Christian?" And we weren't, we weren't gun ho to say, "Yeah, you're a Christian. Yeah, you're in a Christian family, right?" We didn't say that because we don't want, we don't want our son to think just because he's in a Christian family that automatically makes him a Christian, because it doesn't. Christian is somebody who really knows Jesus. And has an authentic relationship with Jesus personally, not riding mom and dad's coattails on their way to heaven because you can't do it, right? And so we we were trying to explain. So we didn't say, yeah, you're a Christian. So we're trying to explain to him what a Christian is. And so we went into that. And when he realized that we weren't affirming, yeah, you're a Christian, son, he was like, oh, man, I've been passing out all those tracts, all those cards, He was like, so in his mind, it was so revealing. In his mind, my son thought a Christian is somebody who reaches out and witnesses to others. And while I would say, yeah, that's what a Christian does. A Christian has more than just that external activity. It has a, it has a genuine, a Christian has genuine connection with Jesus and that fruit comes from the inside out. It's not just superficially attached to the branches, right? A Christian bears fruit. So let's talk about what is that fruit? What does that look like in verse 8? Let's try to unpack that some. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So if you don't bear fruit, let's just, let's just look at the implication here. If you don't bear much fruit, are you going to prove to be Jesus' disciples? No, Jesus is implying here, if you truly are my disciples, true disciples, you're going to bear fruit because you have divine life living within you and you're genuinely connected to me. And by this, the Father is glorified. Christian, you are destined for fruitfulness. Don't settle for a fruitless life. God has destined you for fruitfulness. John 15, 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Uh, Ephesians 2, 2, 10, it says, uh, we are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. He's destined you and I to be fruitful. Even so, from the very beginning, God created humanity, Genesis 1, and he's, what did He tell humanity? What did he, what did he commission them with? What did he, why did He design them? What's one of the reasons He designed them? To be fruitful. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, right? And so Jesus restores this purpose of humanity that is distorted and lost through sin. He makes His people 
fruitful. So what does that fruit look like? Let's talk a little bit about that. The first thing I would say is that that fruit, a, a huge primary thing that I would emphasize is, is the character of Christ in us, the reflection of Jesus in us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. If you know it, quote it with me. Those who are led by the Spirit. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit that should come forth from every one of our lives because we're connected to Jesus. We're following Jesus. First John makes it very clear. If we don't have any love at all, we do not know God. If we don't practice righteousness, we're not of God. Now, I would say this too. When, 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 when a baby's newborn or when a, when a, when a, when a plant is, is new and fresh, you don't see fruit right away, right? I mean, fruit takes some time. So, so sometimes it takes some time for us to see that fruit to come forth. I mean, the, the thief on the cross next to Jesus, who Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He gets converted on his, on his deathbed, if you will. And he didn't have any time to produce a bunch of fruit, right? But yet he got saved because he put his trust in Jesus in those last moments of his life. But over time, the character of a true follower of Jesus should reflect Jesus more and more. That's why they're called Christians. That's why we're called Christians, because we look like Christ, like little Christ. Like we're, we walk around and we, 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 we reflect Him. We, we sound like Him. We love like Him. We serve like Him. We, we, we do the things that Jesus did, right? So our character, our conduct, good deeds. Colossians uh, 1.10 says... Um, it talks about being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. Jesus himself, he went about doing good. He went about doing good. Helping people, healing people, delivering people. And so, again, I would want to emphasize that we're not saved by our good deeds. Don't, don't mix this up. But somebody who is truly saved and a true disciple and a true follower of Jesus should have good deeds surrounding them they should they should grow in this and, and titus makes it very clear that that we should have that those who profess that there are people who profess to know god but in their actions in their deeds they deny him and so an, another expression of fruit is is converts or leading other people to christ making disciples i think this is what jesus talked about in john 15 16 where he says but i appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Jesus said, go make disciples. And so I think when you got this close relationship with Jesus Christ and you're walking with him and his influence is influencing your heart and your mind and your life, it overflows and it impacts other people around you. I mean, who doesn't want to be around somebody who is just full of love and joy? I mean, you want to, you want to work with people like that, right? You want to be neighbors with people like that. You want to walk with people who really care about you and you feel that. And so when you have this fruit of the Spirit and you're walking in love and then you share the gospel with other people, they come to know Jesus. They see the fruit in your life and they hear the words of life and they believe and they come to know Jesus and then you walk with them. 
And you teach them, you train them, you disciple them, you invest in them. And that's a part of fruit coming through our lives. And then lastly, I would say in our conversation, the Bible speaks about the fruit of the lips. And there's, there's other, uh, there's other aspects of fruit that the Bible mentions, but these are just, just a few of them. Uh, the fruit of our lips, uh, John, or Hebrews 13, 15, uh, it says, um, let us, let us, um, offer a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And so we have the character of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit coming through us, the, the conduct, doing good deeds, good works. Again, the good works don't earn our salvation, but true salvation should lead one to be fruitful in good works and do things that reflect that we've been saved and delivered. And then we, we point others to Jesus. We lead others to Jesus. And then our words are changed. When Christ changes our heart, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In John 12, Jesus talked about fruit and, and, and bearing good fruit and bad fruit. And, and he connected it with the things that we say. What comes out of our mouth, the fruit of our lips, is revealing to who we really are and whose we really are. And again, I, some of us in hearing this, you may feel like, well, what about when we're struggling and we're going through dry times? And you may, somebody may be in, in that season right now. And you feel like God's pruned you. And you like you look at your life and you're like, where's the fruit? Where's the life of God flowing in me? I don't see it right now. I'm struggling, right? I think God does bring us through difficult times, through hard times, through pruning as genuine Christians. But genuine Christians hold fast. They abide. They remain. They persevere. And there will be fruit that comes from that. You know, oftentimes, so trees, one of the things that happens with trees, and, and we're likened to be like trees in the Bible as well, and, the, and Psalm 1 and, and so on. Trees, when they don't have water for long periods of time, so if there's drought, the roots tend to go deeper into the ground searching for water. And so it, the, the trees are actually strengthened by the roots going deeper through times of drought. And so God uses times of drought to strengthen us, to take us deeper. And he, he does this pruning thing that just hurts. It's like, oh, God, stop right now. That hurts right now. But we can trust that fruit's going to come forth as we walk with him, as we abide in him. Amen? And so in closing here, uh, just a couple of application points. Uh, first is to recognize your inability to produce fruit without Jesus. If you think you can do it, God will let you fail to see that you can't do it. You know, you, I, I, I've never seen a branch or a tree like straining to produce fruit. Ugh! Right? It, it, the branch is just connected to the vine. And so we remain connected to the vine. We we we. we cast our cares on Him. We put our trust in Him. We lean into His grace by prayer. We ask Him for grace. We come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And then read the Word of God daily. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Let the words of Jesus have place in your heart. God's words are effective. God's words are powerful. God's words 
cleanse us. They, they sanctify us. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so if you're not spending time in God's Word, meditating on it, memorizing it, reading it, soaking your soul in it, renewing your mind in it, then you're probably not progressing in sanctification as a Christian. You can't grow in in Christ-likeness and sanctification if you're not clinging to the words of God and letting them wash you. And change you, renew your mind, change, break the, the habits, change the ways of thinking that don't line up with the kingdom of God. So read it. Let's meditate on it. Memorize it. Right, let me ask you this. What, what scriptures have you memorized? What have you treasured and stored in your heart? Psalm 119 says, your word I've treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, uh, that's verse 11. Verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. I mean, what of Scripture have you taken, you've treasured it, and you've stored it in there, just like you would if you were storing your cabinet or your pantry so that you can have food to eat, especially if there's a rainy day, right? You have stored up food ready to eat and nourishment. If you don't have any Scripture memorized and, and in here and in here, then those times when you can't open up your Bible and you don't have the strength to do so, you're going to struggle to think about God's thoughts and God's words. God speaks to us. The Word of God is a sword. It's our main weapon to fight against the enemy. And if we don't have a good grasp of it, then what are we going to stand against Satan with? Because he's going to come at you and I He's going to come at our family. He's going to come at our church. And if we don't know the scripture, if we're not letting it sink deep in us, we won't have any ammunition to fight with. When Jesus resisted Satan each time in the wilderness, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He had scripture memorized in his heart, in his mind, and he spoke it. And he stood against the enemy with it. And if Jesus did that to, to resist Satan, then you and I have to do the same thing. we got to cling to these words and stand on these words and fight with these words and cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive. We need the Word of God for that. We need to abide in it. What scriptures have you memorized? Meditate. And by the way, if one way of taking, J.I. Packer says, one way of transferring our knowledge about God into knowledge of Him, J.I. Packer says in his book, Knowing God, is through meditating on the scriptures. If you want it, you want it to go from here to here, to sink in, meditate, reflect on it. Like a, like a cow that ruminates. They have what, six stomachs? And they chew it, they chew, they eat the grass, and they swallow it, goes down, comes back up, they chew it some more, swallow it, and it's called ruminating, right? So ruminate on the Word of God, chew on it, feed on it, meditate on it, speak it to yourself, memorize it, get it here. 
Get it here. Let it become a part of you. That's where the fruit will come from. That's where the life will come from. I mean, what what are you going to say when you're in a ministry situation, a hard ministry situation, and somebody needs some advice from you? They need, they need to know what the Bible says. They need to know what God says about their situation. They need a promise. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you didn't have anything to say and you, you really felt like you needed to be able to say something? Right? Have you ever had those situations? It feels terrible. Right? Now, I, I know there's times when we should just be quiet and just love and, and walk with people. But when somebody's like, ask, they're hungry, like, what does the Bible say? What, what can I cling to here? We need to have that word tucked away in our heart, ready to share that with those around us. Amen? And lastly here, um, respond to God in prayer, bringing your desires to Him. This, this, this verse in, in verse 7, John 15, 7, is so powerful. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you desire, whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. I have prayed that many times. And God has answered my prayers. And I've just, I've just gone back just with joy, just like, God, this is true. This is so true. You said this. I believed it. I, I stood on your promise. I, and I prayed. I believed. I was abiding in your word. You answered my prayer. When was the last time that God answered one of your prayers? Are you praying according to his will, according to his word? Are your prayers being answered? That's a part of the fruit of abiding with Jesus. We have this relationship and He answers our prayers. Amen? In closing, I'd like to just create some space for prayer. And I want to play a song that, um, that I wrote several years ago from John 15 about abiding. Lord, thank You so much. you didn't leave us to ourselves to try to work things out in our own strength and our own understanding but you walk with us you are the source of my life my every breath comes
Burn by your spirit, I'll abide in you and bear fruit for the glory of your name. I will abide you in your word. I will